Hello and welcome to the Psychomedia podcast. I am Timothy Swan. And I am Ben Fell, and together we're going to be discussing the funny side of psychology. Uh, that's right. Uh... Oh, sorry. Go, go on. <laughs> You've got a wild horse in there, Ben. Yes. Ironically, you know what I am actually feeling. <laughs> is it wild and horsey? Uh, no, my, my throat is sore. I don't know why that came to my <laughs> mind, really. Are you feeling a little hoarse? No, my throat is sore. That's what I said. Uh, I have a new soundboard app. Does it show? <laughs> I tried to fight fire with fire, and all <laughs> I invented was being a serial killer. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, uber fire. Like, <laughs> new fire. Well, Mega fire. Two fire. If you think of it algebraically, fire plus fire equals two fire. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> I fire. anyway um did you remember that we we're going to coin the new catchphrase this episode oh yeah any curds <laughs> yep there we go any curds this week we are going to do another i think we're going to do another one on animals i mean we are going to do it on animals my my questioning tone relates to whether we've done one on animals before yes we have. episode four we did cockroaches being uh being in an Olympic stadium, and I don't remember any of the other studies. Okay. Um, I mean, that, that's... All I know is that no animals were hurt in the mate- making of that podcast. <laughs> no animals were hurt in the mating of that podcast. <laughs> I've been reading a fair deal about a squirrel and badger mating. And also, <laughs> I'm going to be talking about some animal bay. <laughs> I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. Badgers are cool. I was going to use the word yif, and then I realised I didn't want to. <laughs> no, nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. I think the problem uh, is that some people do. Anyway, let's not alienate all of our furry listeners. <laughs> be Guys. they humans in costumes or actual animals that may be listening. Yeah, yeah, true. And we don't want to alienate any animals listening. <laughs> animals, like the animal... Do you suppose the animal equivalent of fairy would be, like... Dressing up, dressing up as humans in like skin suits. Well, I was thinking, you know, whenever you see like a pug wearing clothes, not like a costume, uh, but yeah. like you know, a coat. Yes. Then like, he, then he is like a skinny. Those... That's what he he's is, and he's shunned by all of his friends. <laughs> and rightly so. Um, well, <laughs> well um, that was on. that was an <laughs> interesting an interesting start. Should we get some feedback? Any curds? Do you have any feedback this week, Tim? Uh, yes, I do. I have some feedback from Steve Bishop, who is a listener to the show. I happen to know that he listens to this show in the bathroom. I mean, he may listen to it elsewhere, but it's a fact I know. Anyway, um, we were discussing on the web different approaches to motivation in creativity. Um, I was saying that what keeps me going is a sort of delusional belief in my own success and importance. Um, (laughs) you know, um, to the extent that you kind of vaguely in my mind imagine what I might have go and say on Richard and Judy when I'm on their book club. Uh, obviously, that's a bit out of the zeitgeist now. I think you're, you're adequately uh, exemplifying that self-deluding arrogance by using the phrase, when I'm on Richard and Judy. <laughs> see, see, it works, though, because the idea that, uh, that, you know, my work is significant and valuable is what keeps me doing it. Whereas he said, realistically, the more that he thinks his work is good, the less inclined he is to work on it. He kind of rest on his laurels sort of thing. And huh. he pointed out that he'd been listening to uh, the 14th episode of Psychomedia, all about creativity. Unfortunately, I can't remember anything we said about <laughs> Csikszentmihalyi's flow. Um, but getting into a flow state isn't really a matter of motivation i don't think well like it's you have to be is for me you have to be willed to do it but it doesn't really matter why you do it Hmm. Um, i suppose so it's sort of talking at higher level cognitive level of motivation rather than just how it works sort of physiologically i suppose which shows that there is some value in re-listening to old episodes i guess (laughs) uh Apparently. That's a good self-serving conclusion to come to. <laughs> funny, funny how, funny how that that happens, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, that's the the feedback is just you know talking about creativity. What what keeps you doing this show, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> what keeps me doing this show? Well, given the rubbishy day I've had today so far, I uh, it's a desire to e- escape into the stupid world of soundboards and writing silly songs, which is what I've been spending most of the preparation time doing. Um, well, I- I'm glad that I can be your fantasy world. That is not in any way what I said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
again, self-delusion works in a lot of different ways, Ben. <laughs> Escapism and fantasy are two very different things. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, have you heard the breaking political news in America about the attack ad based on World of Warcraft? No. You should I, do. Basically, I shall. <laughs> some like state congress person, her Republican opponent, is saying, in this world she is a candidate for congress but in her fantasy world she's an orc rogue who likes stabbing people <laughs> and it's just like wow. wow new new and interesting low for the republican party <laughs> um, i mean you, you say that but like playing a rogue really okay well that's fine I, well, the, the point i was making is that i hope that the republicans at least she's never, not alliance. you know gone to a shooting range played paintball competed in any sport or anything that involves any form of fantasy violence <laughs> but escapism can involve fantasy no, but not exclusively as long as it's that's actual important. violence hunting for example <laughs> yeah that would be so hilarious <laughs> <laughs> i have killed many live creatures and this makes me better than this other person. Anyway, yeah, well, uh, I have a small piece of feedback uh, from uh, Chris Corcoran and Gareth Gwynn um, in reference to our mentioning their, them on our Media of the Week. You mentioned them, in fact, on yeah. our Media of the Week last week. Uh, what was the name of the show? Uh, Those That Can't. Its Those. series finale is today. So uh-huh. listen to it on iPlayer, guys, because it's the last ever of the series ever. Which is Go listen to that. And they were just saying, you know, this is our first sort of reciprocal feedbackage um in that they are thanking us for thanking them referencing them it's yeah. all getting very incestuous but, yeah, uh, but you know like they work for real bbc radio comedy ben isn't that <laughs> to be fair we got a reply from colin anderson our first week doing psychomedia but still it's nice uh yes it is indeed nice so keep that feedback coming in to the usual channels which we'll mention at the end we should yes, really I, mention I, the channels like when we talk about the feedback yeah, that would be like a preeminently sensible thing to do. Let's Should we not. do that quickly? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something we need for your for your increasingly large soundboard is a noise to make when we should do something but don't. <laughs> you know, when we should make a belabored segue but don't. That's just a horse. Uh, I know. <laughs> um, I like it. Uh, anyway, sorry, I prefer it to the Ron Jeremy music. Um, that is true. So, Ben, you've talked you, about your week being you mean, rubbish. Do you mean Spider Pussy, Tim? Do you not like that song? I, I mean, I'm not really sure. You know, it's, it, it, it's, it, yeah. How do you combine the elements of a cat and a spider? It, it, it's an, it presents with an odd set of superpowers. I'll give it that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I suppose the, the real, real solution is to, for me to not ask about that. I was trying to do a belaboured segue. The um, only, only weirder superpower is Octo Weasel. I'm just imagining eight weasels tied together by the tail like a rat king. That is basically it. Weasels even have tails. It's like Doc Octopus, except that instead of like biomechanical arms, he just has three, like four weasels on each side on pieces of string. (laughs) Sitting on his shoulders. (laughs) Not even that. They don't want to be involved. They're very much not on board with the the maniacal domination, but they're just on strings. Oh, right. So he's throwing them his excuse. (laughs) Right. Okay. Are we creating a whole canon of superheroes now? Yes, exactly. Uh, I was trying to think of something calling it like, well, it should be NC Comics, really. <laughs> Realistically, all yeah. of the characters should so have the initials it's, NC. It's the Nitro Cougar canon. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Activate. <laughs> segue. <laughs> it exploded, Ben. It exploded. Oh. What, what have you done this week that's made it so rubbish? You don't have to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about it because I don't Good. think about it. I was going to talk about it and then it got a bit more rubbish, so I, I decided not to. I'll tell you... As re- I, it crossed a certain threshold. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, the thing that I did, which didn't go perfectly smoothly, he said, completely backtracking on what he just said, uh, is that I had my transfer of status viva, which is the bit in your PhD where you, you go for a meeting with some people and try and convince them that a you have been doing work so far and b you are going to continue to do work in a vaguely productive fashion and i'm guessing you didn't mention the podcast i didn't mention the podcast i have to say i don't think that would have helped my case which was already somewhat tenuous uh it didn't go as well as i'd hoped it would it was very useful but useful in the way that 
you know, in the, in the way that chemotherapy is useful, as wow. in, it, you know, the net effect is positive, but at the time I very much wasn't enjoying it. Um, so yeah, no, it's a it's a very fitting metaphor. It, it is, and and equally, well, no, not equally upsetting. It conveys the level of upsettingness that I felt. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, equally uh, upsetting might be a bit strong. But that equal sense of I have definitely gained something positive from this, uh, anyway. So, so uh, it's proportional but smaller. Yeah, um, sure. Uh, the, fu- the fun thing. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to dissect your tumor here. <laughs> that is my defil thesis. Yes. Uh, anyway, I also went rock climbing this week. That was the fun thing that I did with. Oh, I think I saw the pictures of that. Friends visiting. Yeah, it was interesting. It's the first time that I I, I used to go rock climbing quite a lot uh, in sick form, uh, and it was great fun. Um, thing is, I I it's I don't think I have. Uh, Whatever the thing is that isn't vertigo that is a fear of heights. Um, oh, I can't remember. I should know because I have it. But, but. I, I don't know as I exactly have it. But, you know, I think I have what's known as the well-adjusted fear of heights. As in, I don't like being in high places because it's a silly place to be, evolutionarily speaking. Yeah, you lack a death wish. Yeah, exactly. It, as they say in Terry Pratchett, it's not heights that I mind, it's depths. yeah i was just gonna say um my high school my uh, secondary school had a uh, rock climbing wall in our sports hall it's the only one i think in the whole midlands that's fantastic Um, i have no idea where we got the cash to do it from i only did it once i made the mistake of uh, getting my friend laura to belay me uh because i got my friend will who was like into climbing to do it when i said ah this is too scary i'm like three feet off the ground (laughs) will would have let me down (laughs) Laura did right. not let me down. Yes. She refused to let me down until I'd gone to the top. It was unpleasant. That does not sound fun. So, uh, yes, I, I enjoy the act of climbing, but not the objective. It's a straight. It's 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 not so <laughs> much. You prefer that... to do it and not get high in the air somehow. You yeah. want a uh, a treadmill rock wall, which does in fact is a thing that you can buy. Uh, I worried that that was the case. I, I saw it advertised the other day, and I've known you can you know alter the uh, the angle of it, and it is basically a vertical treadmill on a sort of pivot with handholds. But uh, this is not a problem for rock climbing because you can do something called bouldering, which is where you stay below a certain height and oh, you yeah. don't have to climb with the harness, and that's fine. Um, so yeah, we just spent an afternoon doing this, and it was great fun. The problem was, it's it's a depressing. It's, it's a very depressing way to reflect on your own physical inadequacies. Um, That's not something I do. I re- well, it, sadly, it's something that I do. Um, it, when I used to do it, you know, I could go for an hour quite happily. And, you know, you do sort of chin-ups and that kind of thing. Because it's all about upper body strength. So you do those to warm up. And I could, you know, manage a reasonable number, which I very much can't anymore, which is very sad. Um, so that was slightly depressing. And I, I went with the girlfriend who is degrees of uh, magnitude more athletic and fit than me. And she took to it like a duck to water or a mountain goat to a mountain, that kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think, what is the optimal metaphor? A monkey to climbing. <laughs> I'm sure she, she would appreciate that metaphor a great deal. And indeed, that is what she did. She is... She hasn't apparently done it very much before, but she was instantly extremely good at it. Um, and I was. Don't you so, just hate people like that? You know, people with natural talent who don't have to work on anything. Yeah, a little, yes. Although the fact that she has <laughs> done, you know, it's very clear that she has worked on it, having done karate all her life. Okay, yeah, general and specific domains here is what we're essentially talking about. Exactly. Anyway, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Unlike my transfer viva conclusion, these things happened. Okay. Right. What have you well, done this week? Um, well, uh, I went to uh, a comedy club. I don't know if I've talked about going before. I've been a few times. Uh, it's called The Laughing Soul, and it's in Sturchley in Birmingham and also West Brom in the Black Country, North Birmingham. Did you had a good time? Uh, it's meant to be a fish pun. Oh, yeah, I see. It should have made the intermediate step of referencing the fact that soul is a fish, then moved on to the other assorted fish-related puns. God, that was awful. The fact is that once you start down the fish pun path... You end up in a very dark place. Yeah, at the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> good good teamwork. I'd high-five you if we were anywhere near each other. Um, Radio yeah, high-five. Saw... 
Oh, I can't do it because I'm holding a microphone. So <laughs> I would otherwise do the Bluetooth 5. It's a stand. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, anyway, um, and I saw the comedians James Dowdswell, who may well end up listening to this podcast for reasons. Hello, uh, Hannah, James. Hannah Sylvester and Katie Mulgrew, and they were all really funny. It was probably the best night I've been to at The Laughing Soul, which is designed as a safe space for comedy, essentially. Because, like, did you ever go to any of the, like, open or amateur stuff in Oxford? Not really. Because it was a pretty dark place. And not in the sense of Garth Marenghi either. Or a, 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 a dusky fish. <laughs> I, can't, I can't cope with these fish puns. Because last <laughs> night I had monkfish and it was delicious. <laughs> um, anyway, um, and so it was this idea that, like, stop people being scared away from comedy. And in a way, scared into only ever watching, like, Mike McIntyre on the Comedy Roadshow, where it's all nice and safe and sanitised and non-experimental. Um, and have a live venue where people aren't going to get, like, picked on harshly. But also, comedians aren't going to get heckled harshly. Yeah. And so on and so forth. Um, so it's a really nice thing. And I kind of, via a friend of friend, know the organiser so uh yeah it's really good and i hope to perform there one day but i've got to get some more practice uh which I, i'm working on i had the kind of kick from not a literal kick from this person uh saying look go go get some experience birmingham has got these opportunities and i'm like oh but it's far away from worcester yeah. but no i feel like i've been motivated to do something about it excellent and now i've just got to fit it in with like work and stuff <laughs> oh, yeah. so yeah that is what i have done this week excellent do you have a media of the week I do, thinking of live comedy. Ah. My media is that, of the week. Is that a... a, a, a... It's not especially belaboured. Okay. Is it a some other kind of segue? Such as it <laughs> might be a... No! We're not even going to go all the way through that. It's much too long. We've, we tried to apply the uh, belaboured segue jingle to... Uh, what is it? What, the Wub the, machine. The Wub machine. Which, I mean, I think I think that you should play the uh, the dubstep one when it comes to whenever you need it. Okay. This thing that triggered us to discuss it anyway. Okay. I, I'm not even sure that that is a, an existing thing. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. Well, it started with two-step, and that's a type of music. Ah, there we go. Fair enough. What is um, your media of the week that relates so to... So my media of the week is the Extra Time for Questions podcast the podcast of the live show festival of the spoken nerd uh starring <laughs> i like this star- yeah i'm going to go see it hopefully in a couple of weeks time uh starring helen arney off of uh, it is rocket science and the uh, inevitable monkey cage um <laughs> anyway um but uh, and with a couple of other science comedians uh the stand-up mathematician whose name i forget and the other one look i don't really like, Helen Arney was the only one I knew in advance. That's why I remember her. It's not like sexism or anything. Um, and I will include in the show notes a link to her uh, song in some version, The Final Countdown. Uh, ah, yes, I saw you link that earlier in the week. Well, basically, now whenever I see the show Countdown, that's the song that comes into my head. <laughs> which isn't so bad, because it's to the tune of the theme of Countdown. I mean, I, but I thought it was... It's a... specifically the bit which is dead behind the eyes. Uh, but obviously Helen Arney does it better. But that comes <laughs> into my head. That would be difficult to be otherwise. Oh, <laughs> true. But it cuts me deep. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's science comedy, so it's basically us, but famous. It's comedy. Um, 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 yeah, so uh, I saw that video, actually. It is good. I, I was, I could not help but be disappointed by it because when a video is, it's a video that is, t- is shooting itself in the foot by entitling itself The Final Countdown and not opening with da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da, because, you know, <laughs> Final Countdown. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, what, what would you recommend as an alternative title? Not The Final Countdown. Or the final countdown brackets, not that one. <laughs> the other yes. one with the maths, not the anthemic uh, rock th- anthem, you know. And, yes. Anthemic rock anthem. Yes, it's an anthemic. anthemic rock anthem. It's made by the department, no, the re- what is it? The redundancy department. The department of redundancy department. That's the one. Department of redundancy department. Um, so, yeah. Um, so I'm hoping to go see them live and I'm hoping to, you know... Stealth marketing. Anyway, <laughs> wow. I'm so so. If you're gonna do stealth marketing, anything stealthy, maybe you don't want to start by going yeah before you say it. <laughs> 
They'll think it was a cat. <laughs> Which <laughs> is the stealthiest of the animals. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're misconstruing the aspect of the cat that makes it stealthy. It, it's, it's quiet, prowling, and, you know, shadowy <laughs> form. Not its tendency to go, Have you, you know that bit in uh, Arrested Development where Tobias is using his cat skills? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like that, but worse. Blue. Uh, right. Well, so my media of the week is a, is a is a music. Um, it is a music by the band Clutch, who are one of my favourite uh, bands. They're kind of heavy R and B, R and B in the original and best sense of rhythm and blues, rather than the bastardised uh, rap and bass. I guess it is. Is that it? I don't know. Rap and bass. That would be an interesting. <laughs> no, rhythm and bass. I don't know what I would I call R and B. The thing, the thing that actually isn't what R and B is meant to be. So these guys are, are rhythm and blues. They're kind of heavy rock and roll with strong blues influences. And the best thing about them is that their lyrics are off the wall. They make no sense whatsoever unless you are on serious drugs. But they are excellent. They have some fantastic songs. They have a song, the chorus of which is uh, in binary. Uh, of course. The song title is 10001111. Uh, what number is that in decimal? I have no idea. Um, I could work it out. If you care. say it again, if you say it again. Well, I'll sing it, shall I? The chorus goes 10001011. Okay, well, that's more than binary, isn't it? I have no idea. I got to like six digits, <laughs> and then you did like four more digits, so I stopped writing. Well, maybe it's two digits. I, I suppose it isn't more than binary. Sing it again. No, I'm moving on because it's not off the album that I'm talking about. So they have a new, relatively new album out called Blast Tyrant, which is an excellent name for an album. Uh, Why do you keep calling it Tyrant? I don't know. It's Blast okay. Tyrant. It's Blast Tyrant. It's not Tyrant. I think it's because in, in any way, you know how I have difficulty with pronunciation on this thing. It's called Blast Tyrant. They have lots of excellent uh, albums and song titles. Uh, there's one album called Elephant, The Elephant Riders, which is another great name for an album. I heartily recommend you checking them out. I'll put a link to the what I, the main single of Blast Tyrant, which uh, is called The Mob Goes Wild, which opens with the line, Please allow me to adjust my pants so that I may dance the good time dance, I guess, and put the onlookers and innocent bystanders into a trance. So there we go. <laughs> okay interesting it's it's the northern accent and the american accent that have that in common that are able to rhyme pants with dance and trance. pants dance pants, like, pants dance tim pants dance pants um, it's pronounced pants anyway that's my media of the week pants alone blast uh, tyrant by clutch and indeed anything else by clutch because they're amazing and this allows me to transition into my two-step segue <laughs> with the associated dubstep version of the segue. Wait for it. Wait for the drop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, bit of a non-event, that drop, to be honest. Um, anyway. Yeah, you know, not dirty enough for me. <laughs> Sorry. Much better. Anyway, my beloved segue this week was... <laughs> now I just want to dubstep remix that. I'll get right. Dubstep remix all the things. Dubstep porn would be interesting. Don't think about it, because it's all about, like, the messed up rhythms. Um, I... Anyway. <laughs> Can I tell you what... Sorry. Like, I know that you're trying to do a belabored segue, but frankly, I don't care. It just care. makes it more belabored, so it's... I saw... Yeah, true. We're, we're increasing the labor. Soon you're going to need an emergency cesarean segue. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> Not a sunroof segue. Uh, anyway, um, I saw this amazing video the other week uh, on overthinkingit.com. Uh, you know that place that you all go to, uh, listeners. Um, they were talking about it's time to remake Back to the Future and saying, well, what would the music at the end be? And one of the guys in the comments on the 18th of September suggested Skrillex. On the 20th of September, collegehumor.com released a video containing this sketch of exactly that uh, coincidence yes but really yes <laughs> anyway um in this amazing thing with the best line it's me your cousin marvin skrillex <laughs> <laughs> uh, so presumably they do the thing where you, um, he goes back in time to invent invent dubstep music and yeah. and like plays it to skrillex who is whose cousin is in the audience 
Yeah, but whose cousin is inexplainably just looks like the guy who is calling up uh, Chuck <laughs> Berry. <laughs> But Skrillex is actually either played by himself or someone who looks exactly like him. Okay. Skrillex is married to someone really surprising. I mean, the fact that he's married to someone is quite surprising. He's a famous musician. Just well, because you don't like his musician. No, it's think nothing to do with his... his it's, it's not a, an attack on his music. It's just how he looks. He doesn't, look, he doesn't look like the marrying type. You know, this is like I mean. two episodes in a row that we've mentioned Skrillex. Well, yeah, it's because we're... Oh, Ellie Goulding is dating Skrillex. Oh, okay. Fair enough. I, I'm, I'm happy for them. Very happy for them. I, I'm not saying well, that he isn't the marrying sound... type in terms of personality. It's just, you know, he, he doesn't present himself as kind of an eligible bachelor. <laughs> I assumed anyone doing bro step automatically presented themselves as a bachelor of at least some sort. <laughs> uh, so, so, I can't even remember what you're talking about. Elephant Riders? Was that no, it? No, 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 no. So... Uh, the album was called Blast Tyrant. Tyrant, you've ruined this for me now. And <laughs> because you keep saying a really weird word. During the course of the week, I discovered, possibly from Today I Learned on Reddit, that there exists a bird called, or indeed a group of birds, called the Tit Tyrants. <laughs> I think that was on Which QR. is objectively funny. Uh, they are, conversely, fairly small birds, 11 to 14 centimetres, Sounds familiar. Uh, Are they a member of the Tit family? They get their common name from the Tit family due to their energetic, tit-like dispositions and appearance. But they're not a member, like, biologically? Uh, I believe not. They're fake tits, they is are. what they're saying. They are indeed. They are silicon birdies. Um, there is the ash-breasted tit tyrant, the black-crested tit tyrant... The yellow-billed tit tyrant. It's hard to say. The agile and tufted tit tyrants. You're saying tyrant right all of these times. And the unstreaked tit tyrant. So there you go. And this transitions. <laughs> unstreaked tit tyrant. Exactly. Uh, so that's a wonderful thing that exists in the world. And this transitions neatly from my media of the week to the concept of animals and specifically birds, which I'm not going to talk about now. I, I like neatly. I think I think that's what we call the in the business a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, this week we're doing some more animal psychology. So let's get on with that. Um, well, let me start by asking you a question, Ben. How good were you at keeping in touch with your friends over the vacations at uh, Oxford University? At Oxford University? Yeah. Um, I know you're still there, but... Yeah. You don't have vacations in the same not, sense. I guess fair to middling, not not massively. I mean, except the few times where I went to visit their small, stupid islands. Yeah. <laughs> and how many times did you get back? <laughs> Incidentally, in those small, stupid <laughs> islands, I'm including South Korea. Because <laughs> <laughs> Asia is an island. Eurasia <laughs> is an island. That exactly. compared, you know, it's just a very big one. <laughs> Eurasia. Um and, you know, how many times do you get back and you were sorry, at least for some people, that you hadn't done better at keeping in touch? I mean, well, I know that happened to me. You know, not with everyone, but with some people. No, I mean, yeah, I guess a little, but relatively not not a huge amount because with the best will in the world, my friends were complete. Yeah, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, I was trying it's to... It's really think... annoying that this is a clean podcast. It's very difficult to express. <laughs> they were private detectives, all right. All my friends were private detectives. Complete <laughs> and utter private detectives. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of some horse-themed pun on profanity, but my brain cannot do that at the minute. Ferdanity? Ferdanity? No, I think the, uh, the conclusive answer is no, it can't. Okay, anyway, um, I, I've got a nice study here that will make you feel a lot better about the times that you have ever neglected someone over a holiday. Uh, Hooray! Which continues the theme of our original Animals episode, all about squirrels being thick. <laughs> and they, you know, it will make you feel better. So we know that long-term social relationships exist in humans, uh, and unsurprisingly... <laughs> Do we, Tim? social relationships and unsurprisingly there are long-term ones in some animals mateo and johnson who sound to me like a pair of football strikers describe some of the long-term relationships with interruptions we know a little about but the area is under investigated so migrating birds in general a breeding pair might just have really good spatial memory and fly to the same patch each year rather than have any memory for each other 
Hmm. Uh, this is depressing if you have any sense of anthropomorphism. Uh, <laughs> hooded warblers can do a bit better recognising between songs uh, of various other warblers. Social paper wasps no, that's <laughs> that what they're called. Sense. They sound like the most bureaucratic of all the wasps. <laughs> yes, they know when they know someone, but it's not known if they can tell the people. No, no, they, if they can tell the wasps that they know apart. <laughs> I mean, why Anglo-Saxon Protestants all look the same to me anyway. Um, <laughs> also, social paper wasp. The name does imply that there's another category of paper wasps that like live in their own holes or something. That's the the antisocial paper wasps. Exactly. Antisocial <laughs> paper wasps constantly papering over nest doors and <laughs> stinging people for non-defensive reasons, starting <laughs> wars in Iraq. Um, I don't know why that came that's to me. That's one of the like... least social papers. <laughs> Anyway, Matteo and Johnson wanted to study a species called Belding's ground squirrels. And why not? Uh, ground squirrels <laughs> are a category that includes marmots, chipmunks, groundhogs and prairie dogs. Uh, and know, in fact, what they also are is ground squirrel, delicious in any kind of pudding. <laughs> right. OK, fine. We're, we're fighting cannibalism with, no, it's not cannibalism even, we're fighting horses eating us with us eating squirrels now. Yep. Is this a really obscure version of the food chain? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I knew an old horse who swallowed a human. <laughs> and they had to swallow a squirrel. Anyway, yeah. Perhaps I, I he'll... Around. Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, as I was writing this, Groundhogs, it reminded me of that famous Dan Antopolsky joke. Uh, why do hedgehogs have to hog the hedge? Um, so I thought I'd send him this, you know, <laughs> Groundhogs, why do they have to ho hog the ground? I mean, how do you hog the ground anyway? Do you know what he sent me back? What did he send you back? An article on uh, land law and ownership in Britain and being called <laughs> by like 10% of the people, 90% of the land. Dan Antopolsky, I salute you. <laughs> that That's is very funny. impeccable. Uh, so yeah, Wikipedia tell me that ground squirrels stand up on their hind legs a lot and they're much more sociable than tree squirrels. The Belding's ground squirrels live in North America and are part of the genus Spermophilus, also known as the true ground squirrels, principally because <laughs> chipmunks spend a suspiciously large amount of time in trees. Uh, so I'll show you a picture of the Belding's ground squirrels. We are the true ground squirrels. All other ground squirrels are usurpers. Splitters, uh, which is a thing. But the in, real ground uh, squirrels, please ideas. stand up, but not in a tree. Please stand up, but not in a tree. Please stand up, but not in a tree. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I'm squirrel shady. Yeah, I'm the real shady. All your other... Squirrels, I guess, are just chipmunks. <laughs> yeah, it are just like if there was a good word that ended in airy, meaning tree dwelling, <laughs> you know, like foliar jerry. Uh, anyway, this okay. isn't Theobiocom, okay. so let's actually look at their behaviour, which is the Stop only rapping. part that falls under our ambit. Um, <laughs> I love that word. No one ever uses the word ambit. Our empire, our empire of the mind. Anyway, that was a bit megalomaniacal. I'm informed that the buildings are also known as potguts, sage rats, or picket pins. And I'm going to go with picket pin, because saying Belding's ground squirrel is tricky. Um, sage rat sounds like something out of World of Warcraft. Yeah, uh, sounds just like a, a, a recipe to me. <laughs> sage rat. Uh, well, you have it with ground squirrel, yeah. Tarragon chicken, sage rat. Uh, yeah. Humid human. Yeah. Uh, so uh, picket pins are nepotistic. Uh, and the cooperation between the individuals correlates with degree of relatedness. So we'll come back to that. Uh, they hibernate for about eight months a year, making them the ground squirrel equivalent of Oxford students. <laughs> Other joys from the and you... bears. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think we we're going to get through an episode on animals without me mentioning bears. Bears, the number one th threat to America, and us staying on topic. Best of all the animals. But they don't dig on dancing. I was listening to that earlier. Don't dig on dancing. Uh, other joys from the Wikipedia page include females are sexually receptive for less than five hours each year. Obvious, <laughs> as unsuccessful with women joke is obvious. Uh, they are also cannibals and practice infanticide, although unlike rabbits, not on their own kids. How do you practice infanticide? Surely it's kind of an all or nothing thing. Well, the same way you guess... practice medicine. <laughs> Anyway, uh, so the impact of that long hibernation uh, on social memory is the target of this particular study. Some research shows that short hibernation even enhances memory, but that memory is spatial memory, which is safe enough to be described as a special case. Female picket pins, Matteo and Johnson state, interact with non-kin due to the boundaries of territory not really shifting and because they live for a long time. 
The team had already discovered that in terms of agonistic behaviour, by which we mean aggressive behaviour to save confusion with agonistic things in neuroscience, yearlings are less so towards kin than familiar or unfamiliar non-kin. There is no word on their feelings towards anakin. Uh, (laughs) Probably negative. Yeah, to be fair. So they're also less aggressive to any squirrel that they are reared with, regardless of shared genes. Uh, recognising individuals would have a ton of advantages if they could do it, as it allows them to remember who was the best at fighting and who was the best at sex. That's what it said (laughs) in the study. During that five-hour period every year. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, So there are four different sources of smells for picket pin. Uh, The dorsal glands, the oral glands, the anal glands, and urine. So let us all be glad for facial recognition. Maybe (laughs) squirrels find that as disgusting as we find their multi-odour ID system. I mean, ours is a lot easier to get on a laminated card. (laughs) The oral and dorsal glands are very genetically based on relatedness, so all families smell similar based on those glands. Uh, the anal glands and urine clearly give you your distinct smell. I suppose this is the equivalent of like my yeah, hair. They, they definitely do. Um, well, yeah, but it, you know, distinct. <laughs> Odor anus. <laughs> New from John Paul. Do you Brett. understand how musk is made, Ben? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. So exactly. You know, our perfumes are based on these scents from anal glands and stuff. Hooray. Anyway, so yeah, this is, I that think this is a very, oh, that, that would take Lynx adverts in a whole new direction. <laughs> Lynx well, adverts not much of a new direction. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, oh, there is a pretty good thing on the revolution we televised of a just guy walking topless through a town centre spraying Lynx on himself. And they'd be like, why? Why aren't you all rushing at me? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, but yeah, I've said... It smells like anus. <laughs> it certainly does. Uh, <laughs> this, to me, is the equivalent of my haircut, right? Because my hair looks identical to my brother's. Familiarly, our hair is all the same to start with, and our haircut is the only way we can really distinguish it. So, not that they deliberately vary their anal and urine smells, I don't hair, think. Hair, the urine of the swan family. <laughs> yeah, great. Also <laughs> of all humans. It just swans, the hair of the union family. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> So, Matteo and Johnson tested picket pins on various measures, uh, distinguishing oral gland smells from familiar versus unfamiliar individuals before hibernation, then straight after waking from hibernation, then two weeks after, which is about as much time for it to make my computer work properly after hibernation, though that might be because it surrounded it in warm nesting straw and it's got in like the cooling system, uh, and finally, a test of kid recognition after hibernation. Okay, have you, te- have you checked your computer's oral glands? <laughs> If computers had oral glands, then no one would ever get anything done. Sigh. <laughs> that was your cue to do some Gangnam Style, yeah? Whenever That's anyone does to do this. Dead. We should get, we should get for the same point, just the opera Gangnam Style bit. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, that, it, I guess it's, if it's less than like four seconds, isn't that okay? <laughs> yeah. Sure. So Ron Jeremy is going to sue us one day. <laughs> Cumulatively, we've definitely used more than 30 seconds. That's true. Uh, so, yeah, and also we're not selling this. We, they conducted research on captive picket pins at the subtly named Snarl, uh, the Sierra Nevada Aquatic Research Laboratory. I'm <laughs> sure that that is a total coincidence that it's called Snarl. Um, these captives came from live-trapped pregnant females in the wild. Which I think is how I recruited my participants for my third year research <laughs> project. A lot of, lot of pregnant undergrads in Oxford. <laughs> Do you know anyone with uh, children at the undergrad level or even like the early grad level in Oxford? Well, I, I, at least one of my office mates has a, a child. Oh, yes. You mentioned all your <laughs> office mates had kids. I thought you were about to confess something about the girlfriend then. I thought this was going to be amazing breaking news. <laughs> yes yes she's she's it appears yeah it, i think it's a boy yeah probably okay well there we go <laughs> i don't think we're gonna live broadcast the birth of your child ben if or when that happens i'm saying nothing <laughs> <laughs> and i'm now in so much trouble oh uh, yeah well we've yeah anyway uh where was i um so yeah uh they uh, put the traps at sufficient distances apart in the territory where the picket pins live to avoid catching any sisters so that there wouldn't be any cousins in captivity. So you'd be very clearly either siblings or unrelated. Hmm. However, litters would contain both full and half siblings because picket pins are way promiscuous. Um, the juveniles were given hair dye and colourful ear tags. I'll include in the show notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. 
the famous purple squirrel, which is the only thing that kind of comes up if you type in hair dye squirrel. Uh, <laughs> I thought that detail was pretty awesome. We don't ever get to do that in human psychology. Nicely, yeah. they released all the mothers and their non-experimented on offspring at the site where they captured them. Um, so they let them hibernate under artificial conditions of darkness and cold, then woke them up again, tested them, and then released them too back where they came from. Like they were coming back from a gap year. I watched this new show Cuckoo this week with Greg Davis and the guy from the Lonely Island. It's pretty okay. funny. But, you know, about coming back from uh, gap year all changed. You know, they come back with their green dreadlocked hair and the other picket pins are like, like colourful ear tags. Yeah, you look so unconventional. You know, we went for, to Ibiza for two weeks on the beach and you stayed for some reason. And now you're some kind of crazy hippie building spent, ground squirrel. Spent all night eating nuts and then I just chondered everywhere. <laughs> Couldn't remember where I did it, though, because my spatial location ability is pretty naff, you know? <laughs> you went a bit Lloyd Grossman there at the end. I know. <laughs> <That's brilliant>. um, <laughs> His spatial location ability is not very good either. You know, the crazy hippie Belding's ground squirrel is actually now an official subspecies. <laughs> Anything can happen in California. Um, <laughs> they just really love patchouli. What is, is that how you pronounce it? I don't know what that is. No, I don't. I, know it, I don't know what it is either, but I know it's associated with hippies. Okay. Feedback this week. Tell us what patchouli is and if <laughs> yeah, I'm pronouncing it correctly. That's of the week there. Um, so they did the testing by rubbing the donor animals' mouths on polyethylene cubes, which apparently did not irritate the mouths. No word on the squirrels themselves. They put two cubes in one of the entrances to the enclosure, one with a familiar scent on and one with unfamiliar. Um, for the, so for the pre-hibernation test, observed them for 20 minutes, coding interaction with the cubes. Enter the cube! That's, you know, they've got, like, ground squirrel Philip Schofield. Your challenge. <laughs> if I could have been bothered, I would have soundboarded that, but I couldn't. And also, mm. I don't have a soundboard that works. Um, Incidentally, uh, I've discovered what patchouli is. It is a bushy herb of the mint family with erect stems. There you go. Fine, okay. Um, I, I was just like, so horses would like it then? Probably. Anyway, so... It was served uh, with delicious man meat. <laughs> uh, Is that bit you didn't see in Lord of the Rings when uh, Christopher Lee camply asserts you shall taste man flesh? There's a bunch of horses going around outside going, ooh, goody. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the horses aren't really too. quite the equivalent of the uruk of men, are they? Not really. Shall we not get into this? <laughs> we could carry on talking about squirrels, I suppose. Um, so those picket pins that interacted with the cubes, 12 out of 14, which is a better experimental understanding than some human samples, <laughs> interacted significantly more often and for more time with the unfamiliar sample, showing discrimination pre-hibernation. After they had come out of hibernation, they conducted the same test with the odours from donors that they'd been with, either in the same enclosure or in a different enclosure. Uh, that was during the summer. And they showed no significant discrimination, even though they'd known the difference between those sort of squirrels pre-hibernation. So they suggest that it may be that the odour system is impacted by hibernation, since both odour release and olfaction have been shown to change in other ground squirrels. These odours were fresh from the donor ground squirrels that had also just come out of hibernation. So they tested again two weeks after they'd come out of hibernation and had had some strong black coffee. I may be lying about the last part. It is lying for comic effect. I think that is morally okay. Fiction isn't falsehood. Uh, where was I? Um, they swapped to make... They swapped to male odours for this because it was mating time and they thought that increasing motivation might improve results as it tends to in human subjects. But nope, and no discrimination. So finally, they tested... I, I thought... I thought everyone used the internet these days. I didn't think anyone used mail order anymore. <laughs> Down. <laughs> I need a pun noise. I definitely do. And not the... Uh... Can, can, we, can we record live the sound of me slapping you in the face? <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> right. I could, I'm sure the girlfriend would be happy to oblige. <laughs> yeah, her slapping you would probably be even louder. <laughs> she probably knows how to deliver a slap. Especially being, she's you know, listening. competent with physical activity if we've already discussed you tried to slap me in the face it's likely to the sound of tim slapping himself in the face yeah and like defying physics and somehow slapping like the same side of my own face or something anyway right. squirrels so the final thing they tested them on was discriminating between litter mates and non-litter mates and the picket pins showed discrimination between these ones even immediately after hibernation Blood is thicker than water, and squirrels are thicker than pigs. Shh, wait, pigs. <laughs> pigs are intelligent mammals. I went all and copy. Also, can't think why. 
Uh, <laughs> Squirrels are thicker than blood. <laughs> uh, Both so are delicious in a soup. <laughs> It's making me really hungry for those squirrel-flavoured crisps now. We're talking about a lot of sort of disturbing, like, yeah, all we have to do German cannibal-style eating habits. Or and we'll be done. Mm. Oh, makes me so uncomfortable. Ugh. Just any time I remember that that fetish exists. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Sorry, I didn't even want to mention it, but I did. Yeah, you did. I realised the other day that my inhibitions of the things I say on podcasts are probably lower than in conversation. Hmm. It's not good. I have the reverse, but that's mainly through training on this podcast. Well, yeah, I've trained you well. <laughs> I wouldn't say that exactly. <laughs> My Padawan. Uh, only a master of evil. Uh, the question is why. The first and most easily dismissible reason is smell changes, but they could tell kin from non-kin. The second, most likely reason, is that they can't remember. And the final potential reason is that it doesn't affect their behaviour, but it did pre-hibernation, so that doesn't make sense either. The only logical conclusion is that they forget their social relationships. Another bit of weirdness is that male picket pins recognise kin odours, but never have behavioural reasons to in the wild, and don't show the nepotism of females. Although I would argue that if something evolves, usually that supports female behaviour, it's not exactly going to need to be sex-specific. I mean, I don't know how many chromosomes picket pins have, but the probabilities are pretty low. Wait, did I just become an evolutionary psychologist? No! Do not want... um, Tim, when are you going to do your loud expulsions of sound? Can you do them over the microphone rather than into the microphone? I'm getting a lot of buzzing. I actually had the microphone in my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it sounded like. Yeah. Anyway, the reasoning behind all this is that there are two social odour memory systems, Twitter and Facebook. No. Uh, One that stores representations and one that compares representations to the self for degree of familiarity. I was trying to combine Twitter and Picket Pin, and I got out with Pitta. Oh, now I just want a squirrel in Pitta bread. I had a delicious Pitta for lunch, but that wasn't a squirrel. It's a nice ground squirrel with hummus and, and mozzarella in a, in a Pitta. <sighs> hungry for meat that you've never tasted. I'm always hungry for meat that I've never tasted, as it... Oh, Yeah. Anyway, that was quite a good one. Let's not it? investigate Kinsey <laughs> scale too close. <laughs> if I knew what the numbers were, I would have made a joke about the specific one that that would imply. Anyway, it's either four or two, but I can't remember which. Sorry, I've got really distracted now. Um, so yeah, um, one gets wiped every hibernation, but one conducts calculations in the moment, so it can't really be struck by memory loss. The question really is, why wipe the memory? Well, the probability of ever meeting a familiar non-kin picket pin after a hibernation is apparently 23 to 36%. And forgetting allows for flexibility in social relationship status, again, like Facebook, because a former neutral might now be an enemy, like in Age of Empires. But imagine what this would be like in humans. You know, every time you had a long sleep, you just forgot. Well, you know, don't imagine too hard. Because well, I mean, that's that's essentially the beer goggles effect writ large. Oh, yeah, I hadn't really thought about that. I just thought about this hilarious, and by hilarious, I mean the joy of uh, anterograde amnesia sort of thing, <laughs> where, you know, every time you wake up, you're like, whoa, who is this person sleeping next to me? Which, to be fair, is basically my life. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think that's the end of Skrulls. Uh, definitely <laughs> gets his hands on they're them. They're going to get put in a lot of pitters from now on. Yep. Well, there we go. So, I'm going to talk about monkeys now. Bonobos. I mean, promiscuity might link us to bonobos, maybe. Bonobos are known for their promiscuity, aren't they? Speak for yourself. Um, I'm, in fact, so, in fact, I'm not going to talk about monkeys. I'm going to talk about apes. Oh. Um This is a study I heard about from a friend of mine. He is a big fan of apes. And he told me the story uh, that he read uh, of a female bonobo that scientists had taught to make flint tools. Um, As he told it, the scientists painstakingly taught this bonobo the principles of flint napping and then gave her some wooden logs with food hidden inside. And, you know, lo and behold, she made herself flint tools and used them to open the log. Amazing. However, according to my friend, they also gave the log to an untrained bonobo who, in deference to millions of years of evolution and conservation of energy, just smashed them on the floor to get the food. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which would have been wonderful because that's a story of, you know, 
weeks and weeks and months of careful training going up in flames at the hands of one impatient and unsubtle ape. Um, but I read into this a bit more and it turns out it's actually much more positive on the subject of uh, ape tools and has some interesting things to say about our evolutionary similarity to... I was going to say, when you say positive, do you mean terrifying? Well, not hugely terrifying. I mean, I like to think that with suitable preparation, a human could probably manage a bonobo with a flint knife. Uh, I mean, it's definitely scarier than a bonobo without a flint knife, which is already quite scary. Um, Monkeys can kill you, you know. I know monkeys can kill you. An orangutan can twist your head clean off without the buy you or leave you. Um, But uh, But we have guns. We we do have guns. As long as they don't extend the principles of flint napping and over the course of a few years progress (laughs) through to to the Iron Age. Yeah. I'm going to have to find a picture from like a pirate's film of a monkey with a flintlock. Yes. Well, I mean, the only thing that's vaguely similar I know is the, the final image for an episode of Futurama with two penguins wielding shotguns. Um, but anyway, so the actual study, we should probably have some details to begin with. The napping bonobo was called Kanzi. Uh, the one who smashed things on the ground impatiently was called Pan Benicia. But for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to give it a simpler name drawn at random. Uh, let's say Chez. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Kanzi and Chez. We have Kanzi and we have Chez. Uh, uh, oddly, named one of them. <laughs> oddly, Kanzi is actually male and Chez is female, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure he won't mind. Uh, so it Does he t- listen to this show? I don't think so. I think because he'd... otherwise he might end up smashing his iPod when he hears this <laughs> bit, you know, He's trying to get the delicious food inside. <laughs> Um, he has had that problem with using uh, Tesco's mail order and <laughs> on laptops before. Uh, anyway. Um, this is only funny for us. Uh, people, there's at least a few of our listeners who know know the person who I'm okay, yeah, being sure, ruthlessly sure. mean about. Anyway, um, Kanzi and Chairs. It turns out that they were actually both taught the principles of making flint tools in the uh, 1990s by a different group of researchers, Toth et al. Um, and in that uh, set of experiments, they were taught to nap flint, and then they used the tools to cut ropes and pieces of leather in order to access access food that was kind of concealed or hung from the rope or that kind of thing. Okay. You've got to cut the rope. Um... to cut the rope. They... Might as well have given them iPod, iPads. If anyone was going to be writing like the response, the criticism to Toff et al, presumably it's Pleb et al. <laughs> Sadly, not spelt the same way. T-O-T-H. Um, yeah, so they, uh, they've been taught this qu- like 10 to 20 years ago. Uh, the current team of researchers, Rothman et al, uh, presented Candy and Cheds with a new log-breaking task um, in this, the, uh, they observed the bonobos interacting with the logs and noted their degree of success and the means by which they successfully broke the logs. The results were quite clear uh, in differentiating between the two. So Kanzi managed to break open a total of 24 logs, uh, right. achieving a high score. And the uh, article reads as follows. The 100, 156 tool uses observed during the processing included 13 stick tool insertions 13 antler strikes sadly this is just that they had an antler in the pen with them they hadn't surgically grafted antlers onto the bonobos which would be terrifying four log on log strikes 76 unmodified stone log hammering you know we've really got to deal with log on log violence i think it's a real problem in our inner cities in our inner bonobo cities they so 76 unmodified stone log Unmodified stone log hammering, 50 hammering log with rocks, 22 stone throwing on log, 4 throwing log on rock with precision. <laughs> that, I, I like that one. That indicates that they're not just throwing the log around and there's some rocks. They're throwing the log specifically at the rock. Uh, yeah. 60 uses of modified stone tool use, of which 18 uses of chopper-like tools, 22 uses of drill-like tools, two uses of scraper-like tools, ten uses of small flake insertions, and eight observations of cutting logs. Kanzi made a total of 23 stone tools, including five thick cortical flakes, uh, which confused me, struck from a core's edge, 
uh, and 18 smaller flakes with sharp edges. So that's yep. that's Kanzi. Chez managed to open two logs by throwing them on the floor. <laughs> Chez did use tools 10 times, one stick compared to the 156 times with Kanzi, one stick insertion, eight rock hammering, and one use of a drill, which she stole from Kanzi. Uh, Chez also made two flint tools, but then abandoned them in favour of her preferred floor bashing approach. <laughs> uh, I think there, there is video footage of this, so we'll link the video in the uh, show notes. Um, so in terms of you know, differences between the chimps, this isn't pati- uh, the bonobos rather, this isn't particularly illuminating for any particular reason. Kanzi is clearly just better at tools than Chez. Uh, whether that's because Kanzi is male and Chez is female, I don't know. It's obviously far too small a sample to tell i think the really it seems that the really interesting thing about, about this study as far as the authors were concerned was the range of tools that the bonobos made particularly kanzi um and particularly according to the authors the wear patterns that they observed on the tools that had been used are extremely similar to those found on archaeological specimens associated with early homos no laughing at that please to do so would be offensive to both gays and paleontologists um, the point being that that kind of advanced tool use is probably very similar to how our early ancestors got started with the whole tool situation. And, you know, now we have iPhones. Uh, kind of makes you think, doesn't it, really? Yeah. Well, no, it doesn't actually make you think. It makes you think less because you have an iPhone to do your thinking for you. Uh, I'd take a pointy stick over an iPhone any day. I don't know. About- Are you basically saying that Siri... And the iPhone is the monolith out of 2001, only in reverse, yeah, because it, de- it de-evolves you. Yeah. Instead of uplifting you, it down... Down, down you. <laughs> down elevators you. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't know about you, I'd take a pointy stick over an iPhone any day. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not an Android. You're that rapidly in belief of an Android. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, you know, I'd, uh, a pointy stick is inherently open source. <laughs> you can't paint at that, but I'm sure Apple have tried. <laughs> the iStick. It's enemies. better to poke in the iPhone with a sharp stick. <laughs> uh, so there we go. Little, little study on, on chimps and chairs. There we go. Oh... Uh... You right there. You've gone all quiet. Right. So there we go. That's one episode wrapped up in this inevitably double-episoded <laughs> week. It's going to be cross-time, mashed up like a squirrel in a blender. Like Squirrel X likes to mash up his dubstep. And, and stuff like that. Yeah. Can you yeah. imagine us like uh, Daft Punk or Justice being like the two people doing DJing at the same time? Or the uh, uh, Katanagi twins in uh, Scott Pilgrim? I, I can imagine it. I don't imagine many people would be in the audience, though. No, that's true. I don't really like <laughs> things with, like, you know, rhythm. Well, I'm aware of that. I mean, I, I just don't think, you know, our, our respective tastes in music don't make for a kind of banging club scene. I, I, I like more electronica than you, probably. Probably. Um, but it's all uh, ambient, moody stuff picked up on radio scanners by uh, Rob <laughs> Bow or whatever his name is. doesn't mix too well with you know uh scandinavian folk metal necessarily although maybe it does yeah maybe we could do a euro speed mix (laughs) Um, something like that i mean you know it's amazing what genres you can remix effectively this is true i've been listening to a lot of chap hop recently for example (laughs) uh are you familiar with the i uh, am familiar mr b the gentleman rhymer is uh he's, he's a wonderful chap um Okay, yeah, I was going to mention, have you seen George Formby in Da Club? <laughs> it's 50 Cent's in Da Club, as performed as if it were George Formby. That's wonderful. I can't do an impersonation of it, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, I mean, the, the wonderful Mr. B track on the his- history of uh, hip-hop begins with a hip-hop, a hippie, a hippie to the hip-hip-hop, so don't stop a rock into the 
bang bang boogie yeah and all that i really i did know the lyrics there but i don't anymore ah how brilliant anyway so uh should we draw some psychological conclusions of the boogity beat yes um what you hear is not a test i'm rapping to the beat anyway carry on uh if you call a bonobo chairs it will smash stuff that appears to be the only <laughs> thing i've learned from call, you call chairs a bonobo it'll smash stuff too so that's <laughs> fairly accurate uh yeah so uh bonobos can do flint napping is pretty much the conclusion bonobos can do flint napping and squirrels can't do jack <laughs> squirrels can compare smells to their own smells and decide whether you smell like them which i can't do so that's true and i can't flint nap either so gosh the animal revolution at, really is coming aren't animals wonderful wait till the horses get on board and you'll find out <laughs> like next episode why that's terrifying i imagine horses would have difficulty with flint napping what with the hooves uh yeah but horses were the original cyborgs weren't they really what are horseshoes if not horses being robocop that is true that is and yeah yes i, I suppose if you put a horse in medieval plate armor exactly you see plate armor for horses basically the six million dollar horse or mitt romney's horse <laughs> oh call forwards <laughs> well that, i think that joke stands up on its own yeah true well done um, and like mitt romney's horse <laughs> like ground squirrels stand up <laughs> <laughs> So, what about those anal glands, eh? <laughs> To be fair, I could try that in a club. I imagine it would <laughs> I'm sure it would. It sounds like a very Tony Law sort of joke. Hey, you know what the difference between male squirrels and female squirrels is? I, I, I don't know. I, uh, male squirrels never an- interact with uh, kin post-yearling uh, hibernation. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, your your mama is so thick. like a squirrel. Uh, something. <laughs> She's thick. <laughs> I wouldn't say that about your mother. I've never met uh, My anal glands bring all the boys to the yard. No, the no, yard. no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. <clears throat> uh, so, uh, yes. What a horrible image. <laughs> you know, you, 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 yeah, basically. But I would, I would watch a rapping squirrel, I suppose. Or a squirrel and a rap. Or a pitter. Stop. I'm, I'm this close to my dinner, and I'm going to be really disappointed when it's not a squirrel. <laughs> uh, I'll stop then. Uh, Anyone yeah, who likes so... cute animals is going to hate this episode. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, they'll be terrified of them by the end of it. Yeah. Mm. I suppose so. Terrified and hungry. <laughs> That's how I like to end every episode. Yeah, and how you want our listeners to end every episode. Any curds? Let's oh, yes. do some. Uh, so that's the episode on animals. That that animals do things, and that's cool. Uh, animals do be, the funniest things. Um, we would be very much inclined for you to send us feedback. Well, obviously, we'd be inclined to receive feedback from you. It's whether you do it. Yes. Uh, so there are lots of ways you could do this. We were going to do it in the feedback section, and then we decided to obstinately not. So that's good. Um, you can contact us on. Uh, psychomedia.wordpress.com and leave a comment uh, where there will also be delicious show notes containing ground squirrels and cannibalistic horses and pictures of various things actually no that's next week's episode never mind i'm getting confused Th- these are always confusing these what when we double episodes up. where we mess with the time we cross the time streams is the problem uh yeah there'll be stuff in the show notes it'll involve squirrels and bonobos i guess uh, you could also uh, email us at psychomediapodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, do that because no one ever emails it. They really don't. Um, it's very sad. It's lonely. You could uh, Twitter on at Team Psychomedia or at Tetrarchangel. Uh, you can come badger us on Facebook. It's mm-hmm. appropriate. For the first time ever, it'll be appropriate for me to say that next week, not this week. Uh, you can yeah. come squirrel us on Facebook if you like. Uh, just search for Psychomedia on Facebook. It's yeah. a radio show, apparently. Look, there's not a podcast category. What is this if not a radio station? I'm really a bitter. Diatribe about. against animals. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, I think that's all the ways that you can contact us that I can think of. Oh, um, send us a letter. Yeah. Uh, send us a, suppose, actually, you know. Um, send us a dead squirrel in a pit of bread. Ben Fell, care of the Department <laughs> of Experimental Psychology, Oxford University, South Parks Road, OX1 something. Yes, exactly. I'd be happy to receive a letter. Um, 
although don't send anything really suspicious in it because they do vet these <laughs> vet <laughs> but yeah they really do they get they, yeah <laughs> we, we, there's, they want there's, to kill the lobsters <laughs> those damn animal rights terrorists well it's because they're lobsteriists aren't they they're lobby lobbyists lobster oh, lob- bit, bit stretched anyway anyway that's yes, it for this say, week i think say goodbye uh goodbye Hey, 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 who, who, who are oh. you? What, what, what's oh. going on? Who are you? What? Oh, um, what, what time is it? Is it the spring already? I, I think I, it's April 27th, but oh. who are you? I mean, I, I have no idea who you are. Didn't we, didn't we, we meet in Freshers' Week or something? Freshers' Week? But that was, that was September. That was before the hibernation. Also, yeah, it can't have been Freshers' Week. We're squirrels. We don't have a Freshers' Week. We well, have no concrete system of education. That would be ridiculous. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, my brains can't really handle tertiary level education at the very least. <laughs> we have difficulty enough finding all the nuts we've buried. Maybe we Wait, met there in are rem- nuts. <laughs> maybe, Where? Maybe, maybe we met in remedial nut burying. One oh one times. <laughs> um, but yeah, seriously, who who are you? I don't know. Maybe you don't know who well, you are. Hang on. I mean, I have an idea. Really. Of, uh, have you, oh, let's sniff. Let's sniff ourselves, and then we'll know. But, but wouldn't we need to smell each other too? No, I think that if we start with just smelling ourselves for reference, then we'll we might be able to tell. You don't smell yeah. like my brother. I don't know who you are. Get out of my bed. I don't smell like my brother. I don't know who I am. Oh God, who am I? I think your anal glands are on the blink. <laughs> Why would they be on the blink? Well, you know. I don't know. I don't really understand. Complex odor physiology is really beyond my grasp as a, you know, Belding's ground squirrel. Oh, is that what I am? (laughs) I thought I was a bonobo. (laughs) No, because I, you know, we may be promiscuous, but we're not bonobos. Come on. That is true. I'll stop napping this flint then. Although that's the problem. Napping is what got us into this whole situation in the first place. Really? Oh, um, I think that'll do. I'll do. <laughs>